Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode on your Over the Monster podcast feed. I guess I just realized I don't know what we're calling this, but that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, we are here with you for some off-season chatter. Uh, we're trying to come to you once a week, doing what you can this winter. And today you got me uh, hosting uh, Matt Collins. I think it's the first time I've done it in like a month, so in case you haven't heard in a while. It is me, Matt Collins. This is the voice you are hearing. And I am with uh, Bob and Jake. How are we doing, guys? Uh, doing pretty good, Matt. Happy to be on with a three-man crew. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a, a three-man booth here, so it's a, it's a dangerous team right here. Oh, yeah, we got a, a little bit of uh, all three shows combined here, huh? Oh, yeah. It's a crossover episode, as uh, our friend Mr. Peanut Butter would say in BoJack Horseman. A few people <laughs> will get that reference. Right. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, just some off-season stuff. The Red Sox haven't really had a whole, whole lot going on so far this off-season. That is the case for most teams, but there has been a little action around the league. And, uh, I mean, we're going to start with the big news from this week, at least Red Sox-wise, probably baseball-wise, too. Um, that's Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez was obviously a free agent this winter. Red Sox gave him a qualifying offer. Uh, he declined that offer Sunday night and then turned around Monday morning, signed a five-year deal with the Tigers worth $77 million. Um, he has an opt-out after year two, so he can hit the, hit the open market again in a couple years if he uh, starts to pitch up to his potential a little bit more. That deal is obviously very interesting because, as we were talking about a little bit before the show, Eduardo Rodriguez just in general is a very interesting pitcher coming off a year where the results were awful, the peripherals were pretty good um and got a pretty substantial contract i mean 577 isn't huge but it's nothing to sneeze at so um i mean i guess we should just start with that contract how we feel about it uh when you start with you bob just in a vacuum 577 with an opt-out for rodriguez is that a good deal for him yeah I, i think that he did well um i thought he might get a little bit more per year for fewer years and he went the opposite route in five guaranteed years and, and can opt out after two, which gives him a little bit of flexibility if he is great in those two seasons. Um, you know, gives him that security. And in his late 20s, and I'm sure uh, after missing an entire season and with a looming lockout, there's puts a lot of things in perspective for him. And he went out there and kind of set the market and got that guaranteed money. Um, so I don't blame it at all him at all for taking a secure contract. Um, you know, I don't know if you're going to follow up kind of on what we would have done uh, or what the Red Sox should have done long term. I think Jake and I talked about that a little bit two or three weeks ago. We weren't particularly interested in retaining him long term, but I'm happy for him. I'm always rooted for Rodriguez, but I, from a Red Sox perspective, am happy that they did not give him that contract. What about yeah. you, Jake? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm happy the Red Sox didn't go there. Um, you know, that's not something that I was super excited about doing, um, you know, committing four or five years to a guy that has been that enigmatic over the years. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough decision to make. And I think that all of us, you know, having watched so many of his starts, most of his starts over the course of his career, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're close to the situation. So we're a little bit emotional. Uh, about it and, and uh, not always looking at it logically. Um, and I think that I definitely fell into that with Erod, but I actually was surprised a little bit that he didn't get paid even more than that. I thought the market for him was going to end up more around like 80 or $90 million. So, um, you know, Detroit did well by striking early, I think. And uh, I've said this on Twitter a bunch, but it wouldn't surprise me Either way, if he either outproduces this contract or way underproduces it, I don't think like we're going to look back on the Erod contract in Detroit and be like, "Wow, that was a very fair deal." You know, <laughs> it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, I think I tend to agree at least with that last point. I think, I mean, I think this was, I think this was fair. I think it's more likely that he outperforms it than he underperforms it. Um, Especially in terms of AV. I think I'm with you guys. I wouldn't have wanted to go five years for Rodriguez. I think I probably would have gone three years at a higher AAV, and maybe the Red Sox offered that. I mean, we don't know. We know the Red Sox made a multi-year offer um, 
don't know what it was. Rodriguez might have just wanted the extra years and a little more guaranteed money total, which is his prerogative. And um, clearly, I can't really argue. But I mean, this is he got a little more than what MLB trade rumors expected. MLB trade rumors have him at five seventy, so he got seven extra million dollars plus an opt out, which is nice. Um, but I, I kind of think, I kind of think that if he does go out there and shove the next couple of years that doesn't necessarily mean the Red Sox made a mistake I don't know that he would have necessarily shoved for the Red Sox because we've seen him for many years not shoving for the Red Sox and um, even this past year he was um, I think I don't think he was as good as his FIP he had a three three two FIP he had the biggest gap between his ERA and FIP in baseball um, I, I think the answer was somewhere in the middle but I do think that he was hurt by the Red Sox defense um just like pretty much every pitcher on the Red Sox was. So just leaving the Red Sox defense uh, should help him, and maybe leaving Boston in general will help him. I thought I always was kind of annoyed by the um, Rodriguez being mentally weak narrative. I don't necessarily think that that's true, but I also think that different players jive differently with different cities, and Boston can be um, kind of a microscope, and Alex Cora specifically was very hard on him, which I think was good for him, but also maybe just getting away from that environment can make him thrive. So... um, I think the Red Sox are probably in the right, ultimately, to go in the other direction, but I also don't think that that means it's a bad deal for Detroit. Sometimes I think things are good for everybody, and I feel like this is one of those one of those times. Yeah, I think that's well said. Thanks. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think what you said about the somewhere in between, right? You can't just say that a pitcher is a, a full run or a run and a half away from their ERA and and treat that as fact, right? There's some balance between analytics and real life, and that's where Rodriguez was this year. And it's a good point about Cora, who was hard on him the first time around. I think that helped him out in the playoffs. You know, I think back to when he was slamming his glove on the ground three years ago when Puig hit the home run in the, in the World Series. Um, came back this year and had a bad start at the beginning of the playoffs and then came back and had a couple of really good ones. Um, they wouldn't have been in the spot that they were in in the playoffs without him. And even the last game of the season coming in and throwing a huge inning and getting the win in game 162. So he made a lot of contributions, but a lot of ups and downs for sure. Bob, I thought we were uh, on on board with uh, using FIP-based war estimators to uh, determine <laughs> players' values now. Isn't that what the MLB uh, Players Union is uh, being proposed by MLB? I think that was, to be <laughs> fair, not that I ever want to take MLB's side, but um, I don't think they were actually going to use Fangraphs war. I think they were just using it as an example, and they were going to come up with their own metric. But yeah, either way. And you would trust um, them to do that, right? Yes. Oh, especially, I mean, Rob Manfred? Come on. He's not going <laughs> to do anything nefarious. Let's go. Far worse pitcher man. war just makes my blood boil. I, I hate that. Yeah, I was I was trying to have any sh- shred of optimism here, and then <laughs> saw that opening, and now I'm more convinced that we're going to February. But, uh, anyways, yeah, um, I would. I, I don't even want to think about that labor stuff right now. But that that, <laughs> that proposal was clearly just a joke, and they knew it was going to be rejected out of hand. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody. Um, back to Rodriguez. I mean, I think everybody pretty much wishes him well. He obviously was here for a long time. Um, they got him for. Andrew Miller for like two or three months of Andrew Miller. I mean, that trade was just obviously a resounding success, no matter how you feel about Rodriguez. Um, helped them win a World Series has been a part of their rotation for six years. So, um, 
wish the best for Rodriguez. I said it before we started recording. He is um, maybe the favorite player, my favorite player to write about that the Red Sox have had since I started writing. So I will miss him on that front as well. But best of luck to him in Detroit. Uh, but as far as the Red Sox go, obviously now the rotation, it was already a big part of this offseason picture. It's an even bigger part now. Um, I think that's where I want to focus a little bit, where the Red Sox go on the rotation. And internally, one of the big questions that they have to figure out as an organization this winter is what they're planning to do with Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck, um, especially just for the 2022 season. Um Jake, we can start with you. What roles do you see them, those two guys, ideally filling? Are they part of the rotation picture or part of the bullpen picture? I think ideally speaking, um, the way that I would like it to shake out is uh, Tanner Houck being in the role that he was in towards the end of the season as sort of that lockdown, uh, multi-inning bullpen weapon uh, that you can deploy whenever you want to, especially against tough righties. I, I think that that is such a weapon and few teams have that and the teams that do, it's just a real luxury. Um, but Whitlock to me has everything in his repertoire already um, that you know looks like he has the makings of a really good starter. Uh, he's got three really good pitches that seem to be continually improving. He seems to have the mentality to be able to turn over the lineup multiple times. Um, and I think as he gets further away from that Tommy John surgery that, you know, that's something I'd be interested in uh, is, is seeing what he can do as a starter. And, and I also think that I wouldn't um, rule out, especially because, um, you know, he's still building back from the surgery, maybe piggybacking those two uh, and, and maybe treating them as one starter every once in a while. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you want the flexibility to deploy uh, Hauk in any situation, but you know, having him there uh, when Whitlock is starting isn't a bad thing either. Yeah, I don't, I don't really love the idea of pairing two people to one game, but I get where you're going with that. Just at least sometimes having that option, um, that does make sense to me. What about you, Bob? How are you thinking about these two? Yeah, pretty similarly. I think you've got uh, three definite rotation pieces I wouldn't want to put Whitlock and Hauk both in the rotation I think that that's a lot of risk to go in into the the season with so I'm hoping they sign one starting pitcher and leave that fifth spot open uh, preferably for Whitlock is where I would go Uh, obviously you're gonna probably have a, a sixth starter that you throw a couple million at or some minor league deals that type of thing but with Whitlock I I think, as Jake said, you know, they protected him this year. First of all, they didn't know what they had, you know, even in their wildest dreams in the preseason, the season that Whitlock was going to have. So it's not like they kept him in the bullpen um, after he had been starting his whole career because of an injury. I think that they just didn't know how good he was going to be, how great he was with runners on base, pressure situations, he's closing in the playoffs. So obviously they, as, as time went on, they were willing to, um, you know, have left less rest in between outings uh, and give him more high leverage situations. His uh, savant page, you know, the with barrels in the top five percent, um, you know, solid walk rate, good strikeouts, and just comfortable pitching out of the windup, three pitches, uh, and came up as a starting pitcher. And I think all but two or three of his starts uh, prior to Tommy John 
were all in the rotation in the minor leagues. So I feel like it's a, a transition that he can can handle. And I, you know, unless they go out and make one huge splash that I have in mind as a starting pitcher that is probably unlikely, I think Whitlock could fit into that number three or number four role and might allow them to spend a little bit more elsewhere, perhaps in the lineup. Yeah, I think... I think I would view them both as starting pitchers. Um, I mean, you guys covered the Whitlock thing pretty thoroughly. I don't really have anything to add. He's just he's just really fucking good, and he has everything you want from a starter. I, I don't think there's too much debate there. I think the only question would be, was, was he so good in the bullpen, and the Red Sox depth in the bullpen is so bad that maybe you want to keep him there, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, rob Peter to play uh, pay Paul um, in that sense. I think with Tanner Houck, I, I saw a lot of good development from his splitter over the last few weeks of the season that I wasn't expecting to see. I have long been on the team that Tanner Houck is going to be a reliever. That splitter is never going to be good enough. I'm no longer firmly in that camp. And I think I would go into next season willing to let him start what let Whitlock start. But that doesn't mean I have, I would have them in my opening day rotation. I think I would have them in whatever order you want to put them six and seven. Um, and you bring in two more starters in addition to the three they already have. And then they were ridiculously lucky, or maybe it was something they did. I don't know, but they, uh, their, the health for their rotation this season was just insane and it's not going to happen again next year. So, um, I think if you start the season with those guys in the bullpen, but have them stretched out in camp and keep them stretched out throughout the year, give them some spot starts and stuff to keep them stretched out in case you need them. I think that's the way I would go, but, um, I would still like to see two, major league caliber starting pitchers brought in but i would also have those guys stretched out and ready to start for the season if you need it and then that way i mean time bloom has talked about wanting seven starters going into the season that they're comfortable with that gives you seven right there i'm comfortable with both of them starting so um that's the way i'd go i know bob said um one starter what about you jake how many starters do you think that they would need to add this winter uh i'm with you on the plan of of adding two um, you know, I think you add one guy who's more of a sure thing and then uh, another guy with, with a little bit of upside who might come inexpensively. Um, some names to consider for that would be like a, a Johnny Cueto or a, a Drew Smiley or somebody like that who I think maybe isn't expecting to get a whole lot of money but has started uh, as recently as last year. Um, that that type of guy would be interesting to me. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm not ruling out uh, Hauk making that that jump too. I, I just think right now he's just so enticing in the bullpen. But um, yeah, I, I think two as the ideal number of starters to add. And I mean, the other part of this is just their bullpen is so bad too, and it makes it so tempting to just want to keep those guys in the bullpen because the bullpen just looks so ugly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to focus on the start of the rotation and then go from there. Um, so Rodriguez obviously uh, signed as we talked about um, Andrew Heaney was the first free agent to sign also a starting pitcher signed a one year deal with the Dodgers Noah Syndergaard um, signed with the Angels uh, earlier on Tuesday he signed a one year I think that was a 21 million dollar deal um, kind of out of nowhere but um, I was kind of surprised by this um, 
Let's start with you, Bob. Were you surprised by how quickly some of these starting pitchers are signing? Given, I mean, I was kind of expecting a freeze even before um, the CBA expired, just because of all the uncertainty. Are you surprised that there's been there hasn't been a ton of activity, but a couple of big names have already come off the board? Uh, I'm not because I think that some of the one year deals, uh, especially he, Andrew Heaney, kind of coming off a pretty terrible season across the board for him. If, if there's guaranteed money in front of him before a lockout, he might be part of a bigger group of pitchers that a couple of those might lose out at the end on the other side of a lockout. Uh, Heaney probably saw that contract there, took the money guaranteed that he had that one-year deal at, was it about 7 or $8 million, I think? And I know that he had you know a good K-minus walk last year, but other than that, uh, he had a rough go. Gave up a lot of home runs and... Um, you know, just some some pretty rough stats, and was not welcomed by the the New York fans too well. So, I think that you know a, a few people that might take one year deals might jump at that. Syndergaard, on the other hand, surprised me. That was a lot to give for one year, and also give up a second round pick and a half a million dollars, and really aggressive move by the Angels. And I continue to think that after they drafted twenty pitchers and twenty rounds in the draft. <laughs> And then go out and sign Syndergaard that somebody just slammed a door and said, you know, we're only signing pitchers until we make the playoffs and <laughs> wasting Trout and Otani's prime um, because they just have kind of made some almost irrational moves into only sign Syndergaard for one year and give up a second round pick because of the qualifying offer uh, was just really aggressive. So that one surprised me, but I also uh, don't blame him for taking that um, in one year just to get that guaranteed money, especially with the uncertainty of his injury and then the uncertainty for Heaney coming off a bad year. Yeah, Syndergaard going to the Angels just seems like cruel, like something horrible is going to happen. Yeah. Um, with that signing, it's just, but I, I guess Syndergaard, um, there was a report, I think Morosi said it, um, he was like worried that he's going to fail his physical, and so he wanted to sign the deal early, so in case he failed his physical today, he could still accept the qualifying offer tomorrow, because I guess he hasn't technically officially right. declined it, which seems insane, and I would not feel great about that as an Angels fan. Um, and I think Heaney's logic was that he, the Dodgers had like said that there was some sort of tweak that they wanted him to make, mechanical tweak, so he wanted to sign early so he could work on that. I mean, all that stuff kind of seems like um, eyewash to me. But um, Jake, are you worried that the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox and Bloom just kind of seem to be slow workers? Are you worried that they might fall behind on the starting pitching market? No, not really. Um, and, and I'm not because I think there are enough uh, external reasons uh, to worry about the signability of, of some of these guys. And I don't know if you want to go through some of those reasons, but um, you know, I, I've got a list here in front of me of, of about 17 guys, and I have like some pretty damn good reasons why a lot of them would not even want to entertain signing uh, with the Red Sox, in my opinion. So I, I'm not sure that... Um, that you know the Red Sox speed of attacking this thing is going to have a whole lot to do with it. I think their options are going to be a little bit limited as it is. Is that their defense? Well, it's it possible part of it is their defense, but some of it is just like why would these guys want to leave these situations? Oh, you know, like you know, uh 
the, the white whale that we all want is Max Scherzer, right? But like Scherzer was very vocal about wanting to be on the West Coast and finally settled in with the Dodgers. Um, it's not like the Red Sox can present a better situation uh, for Max Scherzer than the Dodgers are. So it's, you know, things like that. Um, you know, how are you going to convince Kevin Gosman, who has revitalized his career to come back to the AL East where he got pummeled. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that I look at when I look at the list of, of players that are available this year on the starting pitching side. And I'm starting to think that their options might be a little bit thinner than I think. That's fair. Although, I mean, I think the answer to the Gosman one is just give him a shitload of money, but um, <laughs> yeah. whether or not you want to give him as much money as it may take is a different conversation. I think, um, a valid one but i mean you started talking about some specific names we might as well start um talking about the guys who are available this winter um especially free agents and some guys who might be good fits and we got a listener question about marcus stroman so he seems like a good place to start bob we can go to you stan raffi wants to know just thoughts on the red sox potentially signing marcus stroman i think if they are going to so now that rodriguez signed they get a second round pick so they have essentially three second round picks getting the, the Fabian pick back, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think that they're going to give two qualifying offers. And I think that if they give one um, or, or sign players that were given qualifying offers in order to lose a pick, I don't think they're going to lose two of those. And I would use that pick on a middle infielder. Um, so I'm personally the, the pitchers that were given qualifying offers like Stroman Stroman was given one. Oh, okay. No, he wasn't. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, all right. He took, well, he took a qualifying. He was on a qualifying offer last year. He accepted it. So. All right. I'm way off. I apologize. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I thought okay. he was on that list. I, I, I had to um, look it up because I was like, wait, did he? All right. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me there. I thought he was on that list. So, yeah, then I would not rule him out. I just, the only pitcher that I, as I've lined everything up kind of um, salary-wise and you know, trying to fit it into a puzzle that I would give what Stroman would get would be Scherzer. I would throw $35 million a year at Scherzer because it's not my money. Um, but <laughs> I think that they have an ace and they have a number two, and I just don't think that there is a need for a pitcher in the Stroman-Gaussman range unless you're getting an absolute stud, which I think that Scherzer still is at his age. I mean, they, they just bought the John Henry and company just bought the Penguins, so I think they get the money. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Got what do you mean, Jake on Stroman? Uh, no, he's a he's a hard no for me, um, and uh, you know part of that has to do with the fifty point eight percent ground ball rate and the yeah. existing uh, left side of the infield. And this is coming from a guy who who likes Alex Cobb, but I think that uh, Alex Cobb and his his ground ball rate are going to command uh, significant less dollars. So if you're going to take the risk on a, a ground ball pitcher, I'd rather it be a, a much less expensive one. Um, and and I, I think that kind of brings me to my question for you guys. I mean, would you target only guys who are technically fly ball pitchers this uh, year or, or guys that are more fly ball heavy, guys like Scherzer and Rondone and and Smiley, or would you kind of shop for some of those ground ball specialists like Stroman, Cobb, Granky, Mats? I mean, reportedly they're looking at Mats, so um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious where you guys would go with that. Stroman's a hard no for me too, and I it pains me to say it because I love Marcus Stroman, the pitcher. I love 
the dude. Um, but no, I mean, he's like you said, he's going to command too much money um, for me to be taking a chance on a ground ball pitcher with Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers on the left side. Um, yeah. So that's just too much. As far as the other guys, like Matt's, um, like all these things, it depends on the contract. I have no sense of what Steven Matz is going to sign for. Um, MLB Trade Rumors has three years, 27. I don't think I would do that. Um, but if that price comes down and he's like the second starter they sign, I could I could be down with that. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about like Cobb and the other guys. Um, but as far as my top target, I, he's a, 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 he can't be a ground ball guy. Just not, not with the way the Red Sox are built right now. It just doesn't work. Yeah, completely agree with that. That's kind of the range I would more shop personally. The Desclafani, Alex Wood, Stephen Matz. Um, we, you know, none of those having qualifying offers, but someone that might be more in a ten million dollar range. And then hopefully, uh, I don't know, add <laughs> add an infielder that can improve that defense. Uh, but it's going to be tough. Well, yeah, I, I mean, think. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say, I think the only way that you can really like significantly improve the infield defense, like I would, I would like them to sign an infielder too, but I don't think it's gonna change the defense unless you move Devers and or Bogarts, and I just don't see that happening this off season. So I kind of think you just got to assume the infield defense is gonna be bad next season, no matter what happens. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I don't want to see either of those guys moved. So. Um, no, I I think it's a really difficult situation that they're in because yeah. every if you talk about moving players to other positions, it kicks somebody else out of a position. You move someone to first, you got Cassius waiting in a year. Um, so I just don't know how you fix it because I agree. I don't want to see either of those guys go anywhere. I think what Semyon in certain metrics ranked in the top 10%. So that is just an infielder that I've got my eyes on for multiple reasons but it at least doesn't make the defense any worse than it already oh, is yeah. i mean um, in prison so it, that's that's it, who i want to give the money to from a hitting perspective um and then you know as you said if you add a fly ball pitcher to go with that that might be a good combination yeah and so along those lines i mean we talked about scherzer a little bit i tend to agree with jake that he's probably not coming to the red sox um in terms of last year's production um the next best pitcher was carlos rodon and i'm like weirdly into carlos rodon largely because he didn't get a qualifying offer and i think you get him for like one year it's extremely risky but i think i'm confident enough in Avaldi and sale at the top of the rotation that i'm willing to just swing for the fences with my number three um and it could backfire horribly and we could listen back to this um next july and it would just be the stupidest thing that anybody's ever heard but i'm just like super in on carlos or don um for like the last i'll be honest it's been like three hours since i've been thinking about this but i've been thinking about it a lot in the last three hours um jake what do you where are you on radon well, the, the comment I was about to make is how Rodon is the most interesting player uh, available. So I am with you, Matt. Um, I love the fact that he has just a 37.7% ground ball rate from last year, uh, 45% fly ball rate. So he's exactly the type of pitcher uh, that you would want to target with a really shitty left side of the infield. Um, it, it's It's a little bit tough because of his injury history and 
and all that. But, I mean, he was amazing last year. Uh, he's a lefty, though, so that's another thing that, you know, doesn't always work super well in, in Fenway Park. But I think that he's a good enough pitcher that it could work. I mean, he he struck out a million guys last year. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to say. He struck out 35% of his batters, so it doesn't matter what <laughs> hand he's thrown with at that point. No, it's... He had the most unexpected five war season or whatever, you know, that I that I've seen in some time. Two point three seven ERA from a guy who, you know, if you told me he was gonna be out of baseball after twenty twenty, I would have believed you. Um, velocity ticked up two miles an hour from where it was the previous year. Uh, just everything went right. So I, I completely agree. I think that he has as high a ceiling as anybody not named Scherzer on that list. And um and I agree with you that I think you can get him for a short, short commitment deal and maybe even have one of those awesome deals that the Red Sox like so much where they have a player option uh, for the guy. Um, so I, he makes the most sense for me if you're looking to make a splash um, because it's going to be tough to, to get Max from the West Coast. Is the thought that he's going to, or you think he's going to take like a one-year show-me deal, kind of like what Marcus Semyon did a year ago, prove that he's healthy and then go into next offseason and try to get a, a bigger contract? Yeah, I think that's what most people are expecting. I mean, MLB Trade Rumors has uh, their prediction for him is one year, $25 million, um, Sure. Which is just a fascinating contract in its own, just on its own, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I just did so many arm injuries, and then it popped back up in the final month yeah. of the season this year and i get it these numbers are mind-blowing you know 188 expected batting average against and 35 percent k rate and everything is backed up like the, you know there's very few holes that you could poke into the on the field numbers but then it just kind of happened again late in the season to them and i don't think that they knew what they were getting in the playoffs and yeah, I don't know. There's just too many arm injuries there. I know he's 28. He could be spectacular. It's a swing for the fences move, but I'm spending that money on hitting personally. I mean, it's totally fair. I guess the I would be more comfortable with it for two reasons. One, and this is just I don't really know how much I actually believe this, but part of me thinks that they, I mean, they something clicked with them last year with their um, spring, their winter prep programs for the pitchers or something i mean i just cannot get over how healthy they were last year in a year where every every team was suffering injuries left and right especially to the pitchers and the red Sox. somehow figure out a way to keep guys healthy i it's probably not something that they should bank on continuing but i don't know maybe that makes me a little more comfortable and also um i think their starting pitching depth should be very very good to withstand some injuries um i mean we talked about whitlock and hauk and then you get connor siebold and you got cutter crawford and you got um brian matta hopefully coming back at some point um josh Winkowski, brian bayo later in the year i mean they have some higher upside guys that they haven't had in the past so i think that makes you more able to take the kind of risk on somebody like rodon but i mean you're right there's he could throw one pitch in spring training and be done for the year i mean it's (laughs) it's extremely risky not to go back to the qualifying offer, but that's got to tell you something with him yeah, and Kershaw, that, at least what their own teams felt about them. It's Kershaw, they said, and again, I mean, you can never really take this stuff at face value, but they did say that that was sort of like a favor to him. I, I sure. don't really see baseball teams operating that way, but it does surprise me. I mean, I would, I it, if I could get Kershaw for one year and eighteen point four, I would absolutely sign me up for that um yeah. i just i don't even i don't think there's any chance he leaves the dodgers so i'm not even considering him a free agent 
Yeah, there's just so many of these guys that, you know, it's like they're available, but are they really available? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're looking at Zach Granke. You know, he's another guy on the market. Like, is he moving anywhere? You know, is is Discofani and Kevin Gosman going to leave San Francisco after the years they just put up there? So there are a lot of questions for the top guys, and that's why I ultimately think that the Red Sox are probably going to not sign the Scherzer, the Rondon, the Gosman, the the Kershaw, the Stroman, uh, none of those guys. I think they're going to be in that Mats, Cobb, Cueto, Pineda, uh, that tier of guy, which is not exciting. But yeah, like, you're probably right. It's not great. I I don't really love the top tier of this free agent class, though. I mean, I like Scherzer. I like Radon, obviously. Um, but I don't, I agree with you. I don't think Scherzer's coming. I don't think Kershaw's coming. I like him. Gossman, I don't really want, I still don't really buy. I think I'm still just like thinking of his Oriole years and I just cannot bring myself to want him on a big contract. Um, Robbie Ray, I still, I, I just, I don't know. I need to see him to do it two years in a row. I guess I just am flabbergasted by how he just suddenly started to throw strikes and I'm very afraid I, I, or if the Red Sox signed him, I would be very afraid that his control issues would pop back up. So, um, and then Stroman, like we were talking about with the defense. So the top tier of this free agent class is kind of rough in an area where the Red Sox could really use some better options. I mean, we didn't even mention JV and Robbie Ray are two of the guys, Justin Verlander, I should I say, about Verlander. and, and uh, Robbie Ray are two of the guys that got qualifying offers. So do the Red Sox really want to give up, the, I think, what would be the 57th overall pick for one of those two guys? Yeah, I don't think I would. Um, I mean, like I said, with Ray, I'm just worried about the walks and then Verlander. If Verlander, I can't have an opinion on i just feel like it's impossible for anybody to have an opinion on unless you saw him throw the other day like i just have no idea who justin verlander is right now and i feel like it's kind of a cop-out but if the red sox signed him i guess i would just be like okay they must be confident so i guess i am too like it's just one of those things where i just defer to the people who have seen him pitch He's got that Tom Brady, I'm going to play till I'm 45 mentality. And the last time he was on the field, except for, I think, one appearance the year before, he struck out 300 guys and won a Cy Young. So I don't know. If I'm throwing a dart on a high upside pitcher, I might go Verlander over Radon personally, since it's not just a career uh, full of injuries. And it's a, if he's one Tommy John surgery and he looks good again, I'd rather go that route, but there's that qualifying offer aspect. I guess it depends on, like, does it make sense, though, at this juncture for the Red Sox to start trading away potential high-round draft picks, essentially. That's what you're doing here by by signing an old guy like that. I mean, are we at that point where you start to make those concessions because it makes sense, or are we buying that the Red Sox are really – you know, the top of the class of the American League that they should be making moves like that? I'm doing that for a In second a vacuum, baseman, I not a pitcher. So. Okay, okay. I don't, so, I don't know that I would do it for Verlander specifically, but I think, like, if we're talking trades, like, if, I obviously it's not analogous, but I mean, if there's, I don't know, I'm trying to think if there's, like, a Verlander um, comp on the trade market, but I mean, if there's somebody that you could trade that's like older but very good like that like if Scherzer was available in trade I would say yeah go trade like top prospects for that so I think that's a similar thing I mean 
it's the draft pick I don't want to just give up for nothing, but also it's not like it's not a huge draft pick. It's not like the when you're picking in like the high fifties your the expected war is like what point four or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's yeah, not it's, like that big of a chip. <clears throat> That's very true. It's just Verlander specifically kind of scares me. Well also he's never pitched in uh MLB when they've been cracking down on the sticky stuff too. So like what's he gonna look like <laughs> without the spider tack? He was one of the very first uh, conspiracy guys I remember because when he went to, he looked like he was dead in the water before he went to Houston. And then that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. All right, yeah, the sketchy Good ass points. <laughs> uh, anybody else that stands out to you? John Gray's just a guy. Like John Gray is just the most boring pitcher in baseball to me. I feel like they're gonna get John Gray because I just. He gets, I would hate that. Yeah, he's. I'm like so not excited about John Gray at all, but he's just kind of there. He feels like the guy that they're going to get. He's got the reverse I, splits, right? Better outside of cores, but no one really knows who he is. Yeah. I mean, how could you? It's or his, better, his... better at cores, right? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. What about Alex Wood? He's a weird name. Um, he's somebody who I can't seem to figure out whether he's good or not. Um, but he's a name that's been floated around a little bit. I like Alex Wood. Um, he's just, I mean, injuries. It's another injury guy. But when he's healthy, I think he's hes mostly been pretty good. Um, it, the, he had a couple of bad years, 19 to 20, but he also barely pitched. I mean, when he's able to pitch, he's generally been good. So I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't want him to be the best starting pitcher they had, but I would not mind him as a second pitcher. I think that everybody that went to San Francisco this year, something got figured out. I mean, Alex Wood was six uh, limited innings, right? But in the sixes and the fives, the couple of years before that, uh, had some injuries. And between he and Desclafani and Gaussman, they just found something. And I feel like, you know, anyone that goes out to San Francisco next year that is uh, a lesser free agent or whatever direction they end up going look out for those guys because they, they maximize the potential for everybody that they brought in and won 109 games out of nowhere. So Wood was in that group. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not against Wood. That, that's the tier that I'm that I'm looking at, a, a Wood or a Mats. <clears throat> I, I feel like they might bring in. Is it that heavy Bay Area air? I don't understand. Like, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> I know. It, they... We're more prepared than everyone else. I know that much. <laughs> I think it's the recreational drug use in San Francisco. I think that yeah. has to be that has to be the answer. Yeah. Um, all right, before we move on to um, Rule Five stuff, any other starting pitchers that um, we haven't talked about that deserve some mention here? I, just selfishly, Matt, I, I really want the Red Sox to add Johnny Cueto because he's always been one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, and he is a fly ball pitcher, so uh, I would love to see him as the the second of the starting pitchers. Yeah, bring some uh, Louis Tion energy back to Fenway. I could, That's it, man. I, I could get behind that. He's um, another San Francisco guy, too. Um, yeah, I kind of... I, I do kind of like Kikuchi, too. I mean, these are all guys like there's so many pitchers in this market that i'm like yeah i like them as long as they're not the best pitcher they bring in 
that's sort of how I feel about this whole free agent class. Yeah, um, well, and I feel like they're just going to bring in a bunch of those guys. But I think Kikuchi um, opted out of a $14 million deal. And if that's what the going rate is, then I'm out unless he's <laughs> yeah, going back what was to he Japan. Doing I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Unless he's going back to Japan and, and Maybe. wants to bail on this. But I, I'm all set with that. Yeah, yeah that was strange. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, Rule 5 draft. Um, teams have until Friday to protect eligible prospects from the Rule 5 draft. They have to add them to the 40-man roster um, in order to protect them. Um, really, the second straight year, Red Sox have a lot of potential additions. And so, I mean, I think any conversation like this has to start with just how many they might be able to add and i mean right now the red sox 40 man by my count is at 33 um simple math obviously they can add seven um without making a corresponding move in the short term but then they're gonna be free agents so eventually they're gonna have to use those spots for something else how many um bob we can start with you how many if you have just a general sense of how many players you think they can get away with adding here so yeah, I had that at 33 as well. Um, I mean, are we talking how many they could drop from that 33? Uh, I think or how many prospects could, do you think they could add? Roughly. I think that if they drop three and add five or six, and it's kind yeah. of just different names in and out that I'm looking at, um, you know, I think that they can go down to 29 or 30, add six prospects and make five free agent signings and get to 40 that way. You're not going to add more than five names. Even if you add five names on this list, which I think there's five definites, that brings you to 38. So there's some names that I think that are going to be cleared off of the the roster to go along with that. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that part yet. Um, Well, Jake, we can go with you first and then um, get into some specifics. Yeah, there are seven guys I would add uh, on this list, or protect, I guess. Uh, seven guys I'd protect, uh, and there are some guys on the roster that I would that I would clear out in order to to protect those guys. Um, you know, and I don't know. If, can I name the names the the guys oh, yeah. who I would add? Uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. I just for, okay. I want to focus on the forty man right now. Um, because I was doing, so I was writing a Rule Five preview um, this afternoon. It'll be up Wednesday when you're listening to this. Um, and my initial reaction was that they could probably be comfort- comfortable. This is before I looked at the list of eligible players and really started looking at it. Um, I thought that it'd be I, my hypothesis was, oh, they could add three or four players. That should be good. And then I was like, yeah, absolutely. They need more spots <laughs> than that. So it is. I mean, I do think they don't need to drop guys right now, but I do think guys are going to have to be dropped. And I'm, they don't have like last off season. It was kind of easy to cut the bot- bottom of the 40 man. It was, it was, there were a lot of names to drop. I don't think there are as many this year. And I think, the guys that look the most enticing to drop off the roster at some point are the guys they added last year, um, Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario specifically. Um, hey, Bob, I know you were talking about some specific names. Were those kind of the guys that you were thinking about who are on the 40-man who could be cut? Yeah, those were two, and then a couple of pitchers because I think that they're adding 
the, the names that I have to add to the list are a ton of pitchers. And they already have 15 out of the 33 on the 40-man that are pitchers. So if they add five more of those and don't remove any pitchers, then you literally have more pitchers than hitters yeah. on your on your 40-man. So uh, <laughs> Phillips Valdez and Austin Davis were two additional names that, that came to mind. I mean, sure, they just traded for Davis, but they traded Michael Chavis, and we'd probably be talking about him as a 40-man crunch going into this year but I mean if you're going to add names like Winkowski and Bayo and we can go into those names but th- there's a few others that I would add that are pitchers that I like more than Valdez and Davis yeah I think I agree Valdez I definitely agree Davis I think I don't know Davis confuses me um I think he's too good to be DF- DFA'd but a it's not by that wide of a margin and b they clearly don't think he's that good because they didn't really use him in important innings at all in the playoffs or in the last like month of the season. So um, I think I'm with you on those. Um, and I think Tim LaCastro is another guy um, who I had forgotten was even on the team until this afternoon when I was writing this. But I think he's another guy that you can try and sneak through waivers at some point. Yeah. That was an um, just insurance was, move probably. Yeah, in case you like, like absolutely have to. But yeah, I mean, let's get into the... Let's get into the prospects. Um, who could be added? So I I don't even know who the definites are and who the maybes are. Um, I Jeter's Downs is definite. Yes. Yes. Yep. Winkowski is definite. Yep. Yes. Bayo. Yep. Yep. So those are the th- those are the three that I thought was definitely definite. Um, Bob, did you say three as well? I think. Gilberto is definitely definite. Jimenez? Yeah. So I I think so, but I I guess the argument against it would be he hasn't played above A ball, and it's harder to carry a position player than a pitcher on an active roster all season. Um, ultimately, yeah. I do think he gets protected, but I just – I had him a little bit – a tier below, but I guess functionally it doesn't really matter. I, Jake, was he on your – I think you said seven. Yeah, he's definitely on my list. I just think it's it's easier with a guy who's a good defender. Um, you know, he's just so athletic and and raw. You could have him as a fourth outfielder if you were a bad team. Yeah, I mean the Orioles could have him as like a fifth outfielder, and it would be the Orioles could have him as like their leadoff hitter, and it would fit right <laughs> in. But hey, Cedric Mullins exists, man. <laughs> Are we sure he's going to be in the Orioles by next season? <laughs> no, Menes um, would be like a, a kill a kill Badu last year. You know, could come out of nowhere with speed and defense, and you know, maybe not quite as much power, but uh, you know, on a team like that, like Badu got added yeah. to Detroit, probably not ready for the major leagues and then ended up actually contributing. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, he just has too much upside to leave unprotected. Um, I think there are two relievers that are very interesting that I was sort of half and half on um, Durbin Feltman and Caleb Ort. Jake, were they both on your list of seven? Feltman was, Ort was not. Um, I, I view Ort as a little bit more of a fringy arm. Uh, I think Feltman has more late inning upside, Ort feels more like a mid reliever to me, so I didn't I didn't have them protecting Ort. I came to the same ultimate conclusion as you. I I had Feltman and not Ort. What about you, Bob? Yep, same. Caleb Ort is thirty years old. Um, he definitely had a good year in the minors, but I think you can sneak him through if you really wanted him. 
Uh, Feldman, See, I, think I think, has made great strides the last two years and, um, you know, was really uh, pitched well the last two months once he got brought up to AAA. I think he's going to be pretty involved this year, at least for half the season. Yeah, I agree. I think Feltman um, should definitely be in the picture, um, at least in the depth picture, to start the year. And given how bad their bullpen looks right now, he could be on the opening day roster. Um, I actually think that Ort has a decent chance of getting picked um, if he is left unprotected. I just think the Red Sox, it's just, you only have so much space. And so that's sort of the, um, that's the hard part of it. But um I do think that he's, I mean, he's a reliever. He's the easy guy to keep, and if it doesn't work out, like you said, he's 30, so if a team picks him and then spring training, he doesn't look like they thought he would, they can just get rid of him again. It's not that big a deal. So I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him picked, but I do think that um, he will probably be left unprotected, although I'm not super confident in that. Uh, Cutter Crawford. Crawford He's a yes for me. He's a yes for you. What about you, Um, Bob? Yeah, I have him as more likely than not. I, I didn't put him as a definite, but I think I would keep him over, you know, a, a, a Davis or something like that, uh, or, or Valdez. So, I mean, if we're clearing a couple names out, I'm putting Crawford and one other name uh, re- replacing them. Uh, even though, like I said, there's a lot of pitchers, and I think that there's going to be some sort of, like, 40-man depth trade, whether it's a... Seabold or like someone in that class that's closer to the major leagues because I just think that they're very pitcher heavy if they add all of these names. So that's my only kind of uh, caveat with that. Yeah, Crawford. I struggled with Crawford. I ultimately left him off, um, but I don't feel good about it. And it was more just I was running out of space than anything. I mean, I do like Cutter Crawford, and I do think he would probably be picked. Maybe not probably, but maybe be picked. I don't know. He's just so... He's a hard case. Um, I, I flipped these names on the agenda, but that was an accident. Um, Thad Ward might be the interest, most interesting name on this list coming off. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery earlier this year. Um, I'm assuming he was on your list, Jake. Yeah, he was my last guy protected. Um, it's just the stuff is way too enticing, and he's far enough removed from Tommy John surgery that I think if you are a non-contending team, you're absolutely taking a flyer on him. So if I think I think if he's not protected, he's automatically gone. What about you, Bob? Yeah, that's my seventh name, and I didn't have it as a definite, but I think more likely they keep him. Um, just. 199 ERA in 2019 at high A and then 233 at double A with strikeout rates over 11. You're risking a Garrett Whitlock situation coming off Tommy John if you leave him unprotected and someone brings him up and throws him in the bullpen for a year and then he takes off from there. He's kind of just too high of a a prospect pedigree prior to the surgery for me to to leave out there. He's not, I don't think he's going to pitch next year though. Which I think makes it even more likely he could get picked because you can just stash him on the injured list. But he had Tommy John in early June. Okay. So I I think you could like stretch it out enough if you were to take him that you could keep him on the injured list all year and then have him like rehab a little bit at the end of the year, but never really have to put him back on the forty man. Um. So I think he does get protected for that reason because he just doesn't seem like he would be that difficult to carry. Um, 
So you carry him season. until a certain date, and then he needs to. He can go on the sixty day. Yeah, IL, you put him on the sixty opens day. Up an additional spot in March or something. Yeah, I think that's. You would only have to carry him on the forty man until like the start of spring training, if I'm remembering the rules correctly, which I think I am, but that's never a right. guarantee. Um, so that's why I kind of shy away from the Whitlock comparison just because i don't think he's going to pitch this year but at the end of the day i think it is i think he is protected and i i went back and forth between him and crawford um and i think if you needed to only protect one i would probably protect ward but i again that was that was yeah. tough and if they can find a way to protect both they probably should um the other name i'm only gonna do one more this guy has been getting a lot of buzz um he's somebody that i've always kind of liked and i'm surprised by how much buzz he's getting but cole caught him um a catcher he's in the arizona fall league right now he's always hit there's always been defensive questions with him um i've seen his name bandied about in these conversations so i figured we should bring him up um did either of you have him on your list i didn't have him but i um really considered him i almost said eight names uh but at the end of the day i just thought eight was going to be a little bit too much uh, to add from this, but the reason to consider him is, you know, all the things you're saying. I mean, he's he's great offensively, uh, and they don't have a ton of depth at catcher. So I think they have more depth yeah. than they did with the addition of Ronaldo Hernandez, uh, who is another name that, you know, is on that 40-man roster. Um, but I think you can't have too much catching I, in your system. I, I disagree well, I don't think you can have too much catching in your system. I think you can have too much catching on your 40-man. Um, yeah, is I agree with that. The big reason I don't think he's going to get protected. I just can't see them carrying five catchers on their 40-man. So I think if he yeah, is protected, I, I would expect to see either a non-tender to Ploiecki or a trade with one of the minor league guys. Yeah. What about yeah, you, Bob? You made all of my points. I was going to say <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out, and he's been decent in the in the fall league and turned some heads there but you'd have to move a catcher i don't think you're gonna have three of your 14 non-major league uh 40 man guys as catchers yeah that's <laughs> just it's just tough to swing and i mean it's a good yeah. problem to have but um yeah it's just tough to see it um and i always every year i need to give a shout out to uh Yon Martinez, because he's one of my favorite players in the system. He is not going to get protected. He's probably not going to get picked, but I am never going to stop believing in Yon Martinez as an eventual major <laughs> league reliever. And that is my soapbox for Yon Martinez. All right, uh, just one listener question here before we get out of here from uh, Brandon Youngblood. Um, has a potential trade. Uh, would you shop uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, Jaron Duran, plus prospects? Um, who knows what that means? Uh, to Oakland for Matt Olson and/or an arm, uh, maybe Sean Manaya. Um, Bob, what do you think about potentially swinging a deal for Olson? I don't think that first base is the spot that uh, that I'm really targeting. I think that they can get by this year, and I'm I'm a Bobby Dahlbeck believer, at least as a. a platoon player or uh, it, you know for this season I think made a lot of strides I'm totally fine with going into the season with Dahlbeck as the first baseman and uh, depending on when Cassius comes up if they platoon or how things go down the line I think if you're going to move Dahlbeck I would not do that for a first baseman with another um, great name coming up soon in Cassius so this wouldn't be the the deal that I would look for plus you're dealing Duran as well um, I would say no on that one 
What about you, Jake? Um, uh, I think I ultimately fall on the side of of no, um, because Casas is so close. Um, however, uh, I I will say that I love the idea of getting one of these arms uh, from. From uh, the Oakland A's, but the arm that I would target would not be Manaya, It would be Chris Bassett. That's right, um, baby. Chris Bassett. I've... <laughs> I love that guy. Um, and I, I think Bobby Dahlbeck for Chris Bassett would actually be really interesting because I think it's still very likely that they trade Matt Olson uh, to someone. Um, so I, I'd be uh, happy to give up Dahlbeck or, or even Duran for, for Chris Bassett type guy, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, it doesn't even have to be Bassett, but I was going to say, similarly, I think the idea of trading Dalbeck and or Duran this offseason is something I would dismiss out of hand, but um, I'm a believer enough in Casas that I probably wouldn't do it for a first baseman. I mean, that's obviously nothing against Matt Olson, who was fantastic, but um, I'm assuming the Red Sox aren't going to... uh, be willing to build a literal all-star team this year and you gotta kind of use your trade chips where they're most needed and i just don't know that that's first base right now but um yeah i could see especially duran as a trade chip this year um tallback too um so that does that does make sense so both of you like bassett uh would that be over frankie montas if you're gonna get an arm from oakland for me it would yeah for yeah sure. i think so montas um I think he would cost more, and um, he's had some injury issues, right? I, that, I don't know that I would want to give up a ton of prospects for somebody who's only thrown 100 innings once. Bassett's just my type, man. He pounds the strike zone. He's, like, consistent. That's, uh, that's what I want. That's what I want in the middle of my rotation. Yeah. I feel like Montas might be ready to break out, so I'd be on board with that. It's a Red Sox signee, too, way back in the day. So that's right. Come full circle. And the, the year that he didn't throw a hundred before this year was uh steroids related, right? Oh, that's right. That's what it was. It was an injury. He was suspended. Actually, yeah, that obviously makes the me juice. want him more. Um, yeah, we, just we need some well, more juice in the clubhouse. Hey, I, I'm not going to say no to that. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's stop this before he endorse any more drugs. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, if you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Bob is at Bob Osgood uh, fifteen, and Jake is at Dev Jake. And you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And uh, we're going to be back with you periodically throughout the off season. So keep your eye out for us.